Welcome to the Archways Podcast. Archways is recorded on the campus of Johnson C. Smith University and intended to support the goals of the Center for American Cultural and Race, which is housed on the campus of our partner institution, Guangdong Baiyun University in Guangzhou, China. The Center and this podcast are designed to help our Chinese colleagues and friends understand and experience American culture through the lens of race. Here now are your hosts from Johnson C. Smith, Dr. Brian Jones, and Dr. Matthew DeForest. Welcome back to the Archways Podcast. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Matthew DeForest. Hello, everyone. And today we're going to be talking about social work in the United States. And we have with us uh, three very distinguished guests from our uh, social work department in the College of Professional Studies. And I'll ask these three gentlemen to introduce themselves, and then we'll talk a little bit about social work in the United States. Dr. David Luciano, good to be here. Dr. Melvin Herring. Dr. James Freeman. And I wonder if you gentlemen might give us just a little bit about your background in terms of what your primary training is um, and, uh, and how you ended up in, in the, the social work uh, educational landscape. You know what? My training is in social work. My undergraduate degrees are in psychology and religion, but I did receive my master's in social work and my Ph.D. Um, my focus was on individuals, children and youth, um, direct practice. Um, this is Dr. Herring. Um, my uh, master's is actually in, in social work. Um, I switched disciplines to uh, for my PhD. I uh, received a, a PhD in human development and family studies to give me a broader look around theory. Uh, most of my research is looking at adolescent African-American males within the school context. My name is Dr. David Luciano. I have a law and social work background. Uh, Received a law degree from University of Buffalo at, uh, at Buffalo, New York, SUNY. Um, I attended NYU. I have a PhD in clinical social work, and my background is in the area of immigration and acculturation studies. Good. So I'm going to throw this open to one, each one of you, or rather all three of you, and whoever thinks they can answer first and best gets to go. Um, I'm a historian by training, so can someone give me a quick synopsis of the history of social work and the social work practice in the United States? Where does it come from? Where did it originate? What was its purpose? Who wants to go? I can start. David, start and we'll go to Tom. Okay, well, the, the history of social work goes back all the way to the progressive era back in the 1890s, and it started with the development of Jane Addams and community social work, uh, grassroots movements, uh, working with immigrants and whole house, the settlement of the whole house settlement um, houses that were based on the uh, whole house in England. Um, then that kind of carried over to New, uh, America and Chicago, typically, where the, the original uh, Jane Addams uh, tenements, uh, community resources began. And then the other model was the Mary Richmond model, which was the clinical diagnosis model. And that's what's really has been prevalent to this day. Historically, social work has a very, very big mission in terms of the micro practice, the meso practice, human rights. I mean, it branches off into all kinds of uh, facets and dimensions. The good thing about it is that we are a very progressive um, social work program here at Johnson C. Smith, ethnically diverse, um, and we have really, really good research components in terms of what we want to do with our students, and we're training them to be culturally competent social workers in line with the Jane Addams model and the Mary Richmond model back in the day. Great. Um... This is Dr. Freeman. Um, Dr. Luciano hit most of the major points. Um, social work has its roots um, in alleviating social ills and identifying major social problems. And it brings a value-based solution um, to problems that are occurring in society. And so it really is a specific um, scientific process in where the values that are employed by social workers meet the social problems and we try to in internally 
come up with the best solutions that would eradicate um, poverty, social ills, and to promote social justice. And I, I think one, one thing that's uh, critically important about our discipline is uh, the model of person, person and environment. Uh, the unique, unique thing about social work is we look at a person within the, their context of their environment and understanding and assessing uh, what are the strengths and weaknesses uh, with that person and how does the environment play a role. Uh, and of course, we're looking across systems, uh, micro, uh, meso, and macro systems and how those things interplay, interact with that individual, family, or groups. So we're, we're looking at this thing of how do we best shape both, not just the individual, but the, the environment as well. And when you say systems, you're, you're talking about um, things along the lines of the way society functions and and the different um, whether it's it's informal or uh, structured presences in society yes absolutely we look at we look at uh, at systems so from a micro standpoint we're looking at the individual system so what's happening with this person and you could look at, uh, at the uh, bio the social psychological all aspects of the individual function as a system and that branches out to then the, the family unit right as a system and then uh, when you when you're talking from a meso standpoint you're looking at organizations uh, that interact with that individual and then the macro level when you're talking policies how how and then how do all of these things interact governmental policies governmental policy state pol local state governmental policies federal policies how do they interact uh, to influence and impact that person's uh, well-being dr freeman mentions um, alleviating social ills and that goes back to the progressive period could you talk about what are some of the social ills which a social worker in this country would work to address on a daily basis? Well, I think I think you hit one of them. We, we've been talking about poverty. Poverty is a major issue as well as unemployment. We have uh, social discrimination. We have racial discrimination. We have different forms of sexism in this country. When you talk about so other social ills, uh, inequality, uh, things of that sort, my, my training has always allowed me to go back and look at the 30s and, and the New Deal era and the crash, the, you know, the stock market crash back in the, the Depression, the area of the Depression. When you really look at it from that point of view, um, when, when Franklin Roosevelt was elected to save the country or to keep the capitalist state or the, the, the everything the, you know everything together, he really had the assistance of social workers. Harry Hopkins, Jane Hoey, a lot of social workers at that time were very progressive people who, be, who began to work on the New Deal to get these policies and these laws changed so that we can rescue society from the economic decline, from the Depression. So from the, you also got to look at the Freudian medical model that looks at, at the individual and looks at the, maybe other kinds of unconscious and conscious ills that may affect that person the, and the inner psyche, as well as the social systems that social workers have always been primarily in, in, invested in. And that is lobbying for social change, uh, creating changes in labor, creating changes in unemployment, developing social policies that will help people to rise above a po poverty level and have a better means of subsistence. And it, it's probably worth for our Chinese audience, um, and it's it's a good thing we've got a historian here, um, setting out that the the current social safety net that exists in the United States is relatively speaking a new phenomenon that comes in with uh, with the New Deal and um, perhaps even more so with uh, with the Johnson administration. Right, right. Yeah, the idea of of um, the terms not rescuing but supporting 
uh, individuals of society who have suffered as a result of mm -hmm. broader economic forces and other kinds of uh, forces um, is, is not new. It's a 20th century phenomenon, though, in the United States, to be sure. Uh, it, it emerges during the New Deal, as you said, and evolves even more from Social Security to uh, ultimately things like Medicare and Medicaid. Mm -hmm. um, our, our Chinese audience is, is, uh, wants to hear about, and as we, we tell them, we're going to talk about race and, and mm -hmm. culture and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Are um, different racial groups in the United States disproportionately affected by the social ills uh, that you described, and 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 describe how that how that's played out in the 20th century. And, and uh, Dr. Herring, Dr. Freeman, you mentioned that. Well, um, this is Dr. Freeman. Um, one of the things that I think is unique to social work is that it not only it seeks to alleviate the social ill, but it brings a value base, um, and it looks at not only the social ill as it is in operation, but why. So it's looking at not only the problem, but how the problem began. And so it, it brings that value back to the beginning portion. Um, and you ask about race and disproportionality. Um, my professional experience is in child welfare. And so I did a lot of work with children in foster care and working with the state government around um, children who were being removed from their homes due to um, abuse or neglect. And in those systems, you talk about institutional policies that are disproportionately, you know, examining one race as opposed to another race and how it affects the population. Um, I think there are some structural and institutional issues that are disproportionately um, reviewed um, when assessing African-American families in child welfare as opposed to the majority white families in child welfare. The services that they receive on the other side are also disproportional. And so there ends up being more African-American children in foster care um, disproportionately. There are only 13% of the population and they represent more than 50% of the child welfare population in many of the states nationally here in America. One, one of the things that's interesting about this process, uh, about what we do is um, everything that social workers do and how, how we engage in what we do uh, is, is heavily influenced by policy. Uh, and policy, again, from the, the local, state, and federal level. Uh, one of the things that I think that you're seeing now uh, in, at, in the political landscape uh, with all of the issues uh, around immigration, around uh, same-sex marriages, uh, and I can go on and on, uh, uh, inequity and equality and pay for women and women's rights, uh, all of those things are being are salient now because most of the policies that's been erected uh, within our, our systems uh, don't favor uh, or have favorable influence on, on a number of populations. So it's being made salient by the demographic shift here in America. So I, uh, the, the things that we're, we're seeing happening right now to play out before our eyes with the, the primary and soon to be uh, general election, I think all of those things as social workers we keep our eyes on because the, those things affect how we deliver services to all of those populations and and have historically impacted how we deliver services and who gets services when how how many resources are thrown towards those uh, populations so forth and so on and and to add to what dr herring was saying he mentioned something about immigration which is an area that i'm very concerned with and the demographic changes in that um one thing that is really, really pivotal and important is that even here in the election that we're about to have in the United States and up and coming, immigration is a really, really hot, sensitive topic. And oftentimes we, you know, we have to recognize that many times the laws that currently exist in the areas of immigration or, or social reforms are pretty much outdated. We have a broken immigration system that is not able to account for 
not only Latino immigrants, African, black immigrants, I mean, we Caribbean immigrants, we have a lot of other ethnic populations that are disproportionately affected by immigration policies that are still very oppressive. And that is something that social workers are paying close to because oftentimes the laws as they stand, do not reflect the needs of society. And we as social workers are on top of that. We've always had a good record of dealing with issues like that in terms of social policies, in terms of advocating for new social policies. We've always been in the forefront of making these changes happen to help people because that is really what we do. We help people. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how... um social workers are trained? Because I want to start, I want to make sure where everyone's clear about who a social worker is, for whom they work, um, and and w- how they're trained, and what, what other um, um, certifications and things take place to become a social worker. Uh, the presumption is, is that not just anybody can become a social worker. So let, let's talk briefly about about how they're about how they're trained and how they're certified and licensed and where they work, so that folks can understand um, the, the idea of being a social worker as a profession. They understand what it means to be a teacher. They understand what it means to be a doctor. What does it mean to be a social worker? To be a social worker, um, it means that one has a social work as a profession in the United States is a value based profession. Um, we have core competencies and practice skills that we are training students to master. And so these competencies and practice skills result in behaviors that help individuals in society promote social justice and equality. Um, There's a core curriculum around human behavior in the social environment. Dr. Hearing talked earlier about one of our primary theories, person in the environment, where it looks not only at what the individual is maybe suffering from or maybe the cause of the problem, but also the environment or the systems that are around. Um, We then move into what we call our practice courses where social workers learn how to engage with families, how to, you know, assess and then um, treat and create um, pro- create in- interventions that can be assessed um, to ensure effective um, change for either the community, the individual, or uh, the larger um, system in which they're in. Are these at the undergraduate level or the graduate level? What would an undergraduate level look like? Is it similar? or It's very similar. Um, with... with the undergraduate is categorized by being a generalist. And then the graduate level then moves to either an advanced generalist or a specialist. Um, some programs specialize in individuals, youth, and families. Some specialize in administration. And others specialize in community and organizations. Um, and so there's, there's specializations within the discipline. Um, but at the BSW level, most social workers are trained to be generalists. And at, and at both levels, both uh, BSW and the MSW level, uh, you have the, the four uh, major areas of concentration, the core concentration, which is the uh, human behavior in the social environment, the practice, uh, the research, and then the, the field practice. So, uh, and and at, bo- at both levels, students are, um, are 
uh, taken through these th four different uh, learning tracks uh, to understand the, the skill sets that you need to be a particular social worker. Um, this is all governed, of course, by the Council on Social Work e Education, uh, which uh, establishes the guidelines for uh, accreditation for social work here uh, in, in the states. And uh, that's a private entity, right? It's like a guild, yes, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Um, as opposed to a government agency yes, which correct. licenses social workers. It's, it's a guild-type system where the, the community of practitioners uh, evaluates and yes. otherwise maintains the high standard of its membership. Absolutely. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. And so uh, for, uh, for all social workers and all, all educational programs, they're going to be responsible for uh, consuming uh, and digesting uh, our 10 competencies. We have 10 competencies that we, that we teach. Uh, and uh, for the foundational year uh, at the BSW and at the uh, MSW level, uh, you have uh, associated with those 10 competencies, competencies, you have 41 practice behaviors or tasks that are associated with those competencies. Uh, at the advanced level uh, for our program, we have 25 additional uh, practice behaviors that are associated with those same 10 competencies. So to ensure that the students, when they leave our program, our educational programs, that they have the skill sets that they need, uh, particularly for our program, to be advanced generalists when they go out and practice. So social workers are trained at the at the undergraduate level. Uh, they are trained at the graduate level. Mm -hmm. These are it's a bachelor's degree and then a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, depending on which program they come from, they may have a slightly different in, in, uh, focus uh, focus mm -hmm. area, if you like. Mm -hmm. And then they're out into the world. Yes. Um, and uh, Dr. Luciano, tell me about because you have a legal background as well. Mm -hmm. Tell tell us about the idea of of. What, what, is, what follows from that? Can they, do they just go into social work practice or what do they do? <laughs> well, well, they right now what, what's happening is a lot, of, a lot of social work programs are actually looking at things like dual degrees, JD, MPA, Master's in Public Policy, as, long, as well as an MSW, because the MSW degree is not only a marketable degree, but it is a degree along with the licensure that allows you to be productive in areas of research, areas of administration, uh, looking at agencies. So you cannot really define or have an operational definition of, of what a social worker is because we do so many different things and we're very eclectic. On that note, um, I really enjoy the research. We Right now we're working on applied research projects where we're actually teaching students that if we want to become effective social workers, we have to measure what we do. It, this stuff is evidence-based, so we need to prove to folks that our treatments work, our interventions work, and that the, the, the capacity for community change or social change is possible when we have a framework that examines these social programs and evaluates what's going on and then implements those interventions that are proven to be effective. So effective scientific inquiry, all the things that even Mary Richmond talked about back in the day and Jane Adams as well, we still implement that. Are social workers licensed? Yes. Okay, so they so you get an undergraduate degree, probably a master's degree, mm -hmm. and then you become licensed. Does that involve an exam? Who gives the exam? The exam is given by the uh, a, a different board, Okay. not the Council on Social Work Ed Education, the um, ABSW, so that is the Association of um, Social Workers, okay. and so that exam is independent, but it follows the same curriculum. Is it um, regional, national? It is a national, national. exam. Okay. Um, the national exam, you, once you score, and I'm an example of that, I took my exam, my exam in Pennsylvania, okay. and I have license in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and D.C., and so once you take your exam, you, your score, just like the J.D., it's a certain score level and that you could just That's provide right. your hours. Um, one of the things Dr. Herring mentioned earlier, and that Dr. Luciano hinted at it, in social work, 
it's not only about what you're receiving in a classroom. The core component of the degree is that we have students in internships and field placements under field supervision. And so they have not only a field supervisor, but a field liaison that is in that is communicating back and forth with the university so that we can ensure what is learned in theory is practice. And so there is this learning contract that, you know, runs parallel to the the, the curriculum. Um, that's happening both in the classroom and in the employment so that they can actually see what they're seeing in theory materialize in practice. And that's critical for social workers because you ask what a social worker do. And, and for all my first year MSW students, we give them the Abraham Flexner article, a social worker profession. And they ran through someone who looked at the profession in the early development of the profession and said it is not a profession. And mm -hmm. so one of the things that when our students leave, from our program, they understand that it's not about the what I do, but how I do what I do and what I bring to the profession because it's still scientific. They have a core set of behavioral competences and practices that wherever they go, whether they go into child welfare, whether they go into um, education, whether they're in the school system or in the hospitals, they bring a difference from the way they think and interact professionally um, in their work. Dr. Herring, um, can you give us some examples of where a, a, a social worker who has graduated, been licensed, where do they go to work and for whom do they work? And I'm talking about, and I want to make the distinction here between public and private mm -hmm. versus state versus something uh, private related industry or what have you. Uh, I think doc, Dr. Luciano uh, was really touching on uh, where social workers go uh, once they graduate. Um, the, the overwhelming majority will go into uh, case management. Uh, is is where most social workers would go. So that is working with, and that could be both uh, private, uh, or, uh, public or private. Uh, so you're talking about the public um, Department of uh, Health and Human Services is a bigger employer of social workers. Um, uh, you That's have the federal Department of that, Health and Human Services, right, right? Right, and and so at the at the local levels, local and state levels, uh, social workers will come will, will uh, leave educational programs to be employed. Um, so and 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 then you have a, a, a host of other agencies in the community uh, that where uh, social workers may engage in case management. The, the other uh, aspect or, or uh, line of employment is uh, to become clinically uh, licensed. So if, if a social worker uh, goes through what Dr. Freeman was speaking on earlier, which is you take the exam, you have uh, to acquire over uh, three, uh, at least 3,000 hours, uh, and then once you, once you receive your license, you are then uh, able uh, to open your own private practice to practice clinically. Uh, you have a, 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 the second largest population of social workers uh, that graduate comes out and become licensed and work uh, either clinically for, for themselves or again in public or private uh, agencies within the community. Um, that, that's, that's the general track, but doc, the way, what Dr. Luciano spoke on earlier, which is the versatility of this uh, degree, you have social workers who come out and work in the private sector, uh, work in human resources departments, uh, uh, in their EAP programs. Court system court systems, uh, police departments, uh, hospitals. Uh, the other day I was speaking to someone who uh, were uh, had an intern at a veterinarian uh, 
uh, office, right? Because you think about this, you think about uh, how many people perceive their pets as part of the families. So when they have a loss, right, or if a, if a pet dies, then this veterinarian has a social worker there to help the counseling process. So I mean, you, it's it's un, the 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 uh, versatility of this degree is far reaching. I would like to add that there is an emerging aspect in which social workers are engaging and entering into, and that's the policy. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of social workers that are that are um, now going into policy advocacy, mm -hmm. whether they're lobbying or whether they're joining policy think tanks. Mm -hmm. They're bringing the research, mm -hmm. the values um, that, that they learn in the profession, and they're impacting how social work laws are changed at, at both the state um, and federal level. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of policy advocacy, um, policy advocates that are developing from the professionals. COCs, community yeah. uh, uh, organization, corporations, and things of that nature to, to do community planning. You see a lot of that happening. So you're absolutely right, Dr. Freeman. And, and, you know, to add what, what Dr. Freeman was talking about, even in Washington, D.C., where you have all these political lobbying and different interest groups, you have a cadre of social workers who are just trained to do that kind of that kind of work and that kind of cost-benefit analysis. How this, how will this benefit the community? How will this legislation help, et cetera, et cetera? So that's a pivotal piece as well. Okay, so let's talk briefly about um, uh, just to sort of kind of enrich this discussion even further, a bit about the um, the Masters in Social Work program here at Johnson C. Smith, which is something that our, our, our friends in China will want to know more about. But also I think it will help us give a better sense of, of, of the practice of social work in the United States. Now, all three of you are graduate faculty, uh, which Correct. means you teach graduate students, and I believe it means you teach graduate students only. Yes. Um, except in the rarest of circumstances. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, I know as someone who has participated in many of the discussions about the level change that allowed us to add a master's of social work degree, I can tell you that the, the MSW uh, is certified right. um, uh, or accredited rather accredited. by the mm -hmm. Council on Social Work Education. Mm -hmm. uh, and it focuses on specifically the issues of what we call cultural competency. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if you guys could speak to um, uh, the master's of social work program broadly and then the issue of cultural competency, because that's a term that uh, I think many of our friends in China may not be able to understand, especially uh, thinking of it in terms of the United States. Oh, the, the overall MSW program here is exciting because I think we've decided to, to do a program that markets to working adults. Um, and so our program is evening and weekends. Um, and we've partnered with a large cadre of field placements where students can have the unique opportunity to have field placements at non-traditional hours. Um, our overall program focuses on the concept of the advanced generalists, and we've been talking a little bit about that micro level, that uh, Mary Richmond social diagnosis, and the, the Jane Adams and Mary the whole house. We blend both of those. Our students come out with their master's degree, having been trained both at the micro and at the macro level. And so that they understand that one has no priority over the other, but as social workers, they can incorporate and, and practice at each level with, with competence. Um, I just put a pin in that just for a second because I want to make sure, as a historian, I know what Hull House is. Right. Tell, somebody tell me what Hull House was. Uh, I don't think it exists in its current, in its original form anymore. Yeah, but there's still a museum. But at the time, right, right. Uh, Hull House was unique yeah. um, and progressive. Mm -hmm. What was Hull House, and and when when what did it do? 
I believe it started back in the 1860s. Jane Addams went to Europe and, and saw this whole house settlement society and she was fascinated by that because she wanted to bring that kind of a, a framework to the inner city neighborhoods in Chicago and places where poverty was very rampant. So she used Whole House as a model to begin her, her idea of what Jane Addams wants to do, how we can do community organizing, how we can do lobbying, how we can help newly arrived immigrants in this country. She used the Whole House framework as a model to serve low-income communities, African-American, Latinos, Irish, German, all, all the all the communities that were there at the time, although the African-American community, as a matter of fact, was marginalized to some extent and did not benefit as much. That's a fact. Um, but she used that as a model, and she set it up so that that can be a framework for which social workers can learn, practice, have contact with citizens, can have contact with low-income individuals and groups, and, and, and help somehow to, to empower them. Okay, so I, I didn't mean to interrupt uh, Dr. Freeman. We were talking about the generalist nature of, of the program, and then we were going to talk about the um, specifics on cultural competencies. Um, well, uh, as far as cultural competence, the the unique thing about this program is that we focus on cultural competence. And you, if you were to ask 10 people what is cultural competence, you may get 10 different answers because there's really no true consensus of what it is. Um, what we've done here with our program is um, we've looked across uh, dis disciplines uh, to look at how uh, they have approached and, and uh, examined what cultural competence is, the language that they use, and the elements that they've used to determine what cultural competence is. And what we've done is we've crafted a model that isn't it, it, it doesn't look at cultural competence as a product but cultural competence as a process. So what, what our model do, does is we, we look at what are, the, what are all the moving elements, all the moving components that might influence a person uh, based on their identities. So uh, the, the major aspect of cultural competence that we look at is systems. So systems are the overarching driving force uh, that impacts all of our lives. So what, we, what we've done is taken the, the lens and, and moved it outward to look at overall systems broadly. So historically, looking at the historical context of a system uh, and its erection, who was it erected for? Where were the resources and policies directed, right? Also, even current, the current perspective, where does that system sit now? Then we, we, we look at uh, how does that system influence institutions? Because institutions are embedded within systems. Institutions are driven by the policies of systems. So basically, the systems dictate how an institution, education, uh, police departments, how they are going to function. Uh, we people are embedded within the systems, but though the the uh, the policies of those systems dictate and and push individuals along this path of least resistance. So what we want to look at with cultural competence is how does within these institutions embedded within these systems, how does uh, uh, an institution value or devalues a, a person based on their identities, what we call social location. So looking at a person's gender, looking at a person's race, looking at a person's religious beliefs within the, the context of an institution embedded within the system, how does that institution treat me? How does it value me? Because the value value that's placed on a person within that institution is going to dictate privilege and oppression. So what, we're do, what we do is we teach our social workers to go into institutions 
embedded within systems and begin to dox what's happening for people and populations. Um, we, one, one of the things that we teach is that uh, cultural competence is not about a people, it's about a person. So each of us have our own particular cultural competence that we need to be able to understand. So as a social worker doing micro work uh, uh, with an individual, I don't need to look at that individual as a member of African-American community or as a woman or as a uh, less able person. I need to begin to understand the culture of that person that's sitting in front of me. So, and that's how we teach this, the component of cultural competence. And it's infused throughout all four of the aspects of our program. So it's infused in research, it's infused in practice, it's infused in human behavior and social environment. And we uh, encourage our students as, they, as they're out in their field placements to engage in cultural competence uh, thought and, and use a cultural competence lens as they uh, practice. And, and I just want to add that it's a lifelong learning process right. and it ties into many different dynamics and issues, language, race, ethnicity. The good thing about the program that we have is that we're all ethnically diverse to, at one, at some, to some extent or another. And we work collaboratively to try to figure out this, this understanding of cultural competence. And we don't stop. We always do this 24 hours, seven days a week. We see what works, what doesn't work. And we're constantly refining the definition of cultural competence to make sure that everybody's included in that, in that scenario. So would it be fair to say that what distinguishes social work from, say, psychology is psychology mm -hmm. focuses on the individual within the individual. Mm -hmm. Sociology would look at society in general, mm -hmm. but social work really is, is there at the intersection where right. you're looking at the way that the, the individual functions both within themselves, and that would be one system, and with the various aspects of society that they belong to, the multiple other systems that are out there. Correct. That is absolutely on point. That's exactly what we what we do. Okay, and at at all aspects and all times, so that uh, a social worker might be addressing, say, issues involving aging and and the way an individual deals with um, both retirement issues, at end of life issues, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, as well as uh, those moments where individuals are just coming into the world. So mm -hmm. that uh, how does a newborn mother navigate or a newborn mother a mother navigate mm -hmm. with their newborn child mm -hmm. um, all the different social networks and uh, mm -hmm. and perhaps services that would help her out um, in in dealing with a new child mm -hmm. yep. Mm -hmm. yep absolutely and, and the main thing is not to focus so much on pathology, but to also focus on strengths perspective. What what do these mothers or what do these people or children bring to the table? Because we cannot look at a pathology or a, a model, although the diagnosis part is always clinically important, but we don't focus so much on the pathology of an individual. We want to focus on their strengths. So let me ask a really big question, uh, and one that will have several different ways to approach it. Uh, and this is one for our, for our international audience. Um, what is it that is unique about the United States that produces social work, social work professions, the need for social workers? Or if you want to, if we can phrase it a different way, um, is social work, in the ways in which you've described it, unique to the United States, or is it unique to something else? And, and how does that work? Because we're, I want to make sure that our international audience can understand um, the sort of the connectedness between what you do and the place that you live. I, I will say, I would say that it's not unique uh, to the United States, but it is unique to places where humanity is important. 
uh, I think humanity is the is the driving force around uh, social work. Uh, where uh, wherever you if you find a place where humanity is important, you're going to find people that is willing and and desire to help those who are less fortunate, no matter what the the cause of the circumstance is, uh, whether whether it is a natural. Uh, disaster or a man-made disaster uh, where you find humanity you're going to find people that want to help and uh, what we've learned early in in our discipline of social work is there's a difference between just helping someone and system systematically being able to help someone effectively and so over the years i think what you've been able to see if you were to follow the track of social work is that we've gotten better in understanding how to help people more efficiently and effectively and so uh so but the humanity is the driving force uh i can i would probably venture to say 99.9% of our students come into our programs and not just uniquely to ours here at Johnson C. Smith, but all social work programs because they have this, this this desire within them to help. And most of the times it was triggered by them experiencing uh, an issue or a situation, whether it be theirs personally or someone that they knew in a situation that they needed help and they wanted to help. And that's what that's what is unique about what we do as social workers. So let me ask then, uh, as a historian, because um, there are other models uh, around the world where are systems of governance and systems of political philosophy where the role of the social worker might not be necessary because those activities are gathered up by the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking more about the sort of larger social welfare systems which may exist in places like um, uh, Western Europe, mm-hmm. um, some of the Scandinavian countries, for example, mm-hmm. which have a, a, sort, a sort of more robust um, social welfare system. Mm-hmm. Um, they pay more in taxes, and as a result, they can deliver more services mm-hmm. to people who need them. Mm-hmm. So in the United States, right, we don't, we don't necessarily do that. Um, and of course, now I'm off on a diatribe. So we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about a state. We're talking about a system which is designed to provide the maximum freedom to the maximum people, but also the l- most limited government that can possibly be arranged within that context. Because the one thing that Americans fear more than anything, I suppose, is is big government. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that from a sort of a Democrat Republican. Mm-hmm. I mean the mm-hmm. notion of of the role of government in individual lives. Right? Yes. Which is why when social workers go out there. They may or may not work for the state. Mm-hmm. More than likely, they may work as a, a clinical mm-hmm. license, so, clinically licensed social worker and have a private um, company that they run. Mm-hmm. And that company would help to deliver services in whatever way that they could. Um, am, I, am I way out of here? Am I way off to- topic here? Or? No, no. You're, you're very much on topic. But I think Dr. Herring's explanation, I mean, I, it, was, it, was, it was spot on. Um, the, the unique difference for social work in whatever context or whatever, you know, locale it's being administered, it's about the helping profession. Mm. So it's not so much where you're administering that help or how you're administering that help. It is the value in which that help is administered, that there is a scientific process. There are some values that lead to these behaviors that can be, you know, exhibited in a way that values the person who's receiving help. And so it, it's this training that changes 
the dynamics for individuals who come into the profession that you know because many people are helping before they receive the the training but they then leave the training with a better ability to understand how to engage how to assess how to intervene and when to leave it's like there is a scientific process of when you should help how you should help and when you should exit and how best to do that exit and and there's also you know one thing that i, I have to go back to the historical period of jane adams when when jane adams was crafting this idea she looked at philosophy she looked at social sciences she looked at people like john stuart mill she talked to, who talked about individual differences, talked about diversity and how we can kind of bridge the gap among the different kinds of races. I mean, he was he was ahead of his time back then. Um, but still, the, the philosophy lies at the core of what we do. We work with diverse populations and we work at empowering diverse populations. And that brings out the best in what we do. So um, even though America, you're right, we're afraid of big government, we're afraid of too much control, we still have goodwill, the you know the humanitarian aspect of the, the greatest good for the greatest number, trying to help people rise above their circumstances, which in particularly most of the time included poverty. Does anyone have, um, can anyone give me a sense of the size of the social work profession in the United States right now? And you're welcome to guess. I'm not going to hold you to any numbers. Um, I'm trying to get a sense of the scale of it. Um, I don't know if anyone knows that. It, it would be very difficult. I, I do know, and, and you all can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but social workers, I don't know how big in number, in terms of number, uh, but as far as clinical diagnosing in, in America, social workers, is, is it what, like 50-something percent, 56, 59 percent? It, it is, is, it or is, is it higher? It's higher. It's, higher. it's, it's, it's growing. It's, higher. it's now one of the largest... And it's not and unlike psychology in the past. Psychology, psychology used to dominate the counseling profession. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Social work has now taken the lead in that profession. Right. And and I want to add that social workers make the best diagnosticians. I mean, you know, that we, we we do a lot of direct practice, so we're constantly working with individuals and assessing what their needs are and their you know their their symptoms. So we we are the best diagnosticians out there, um, along with you know other people who are in the psychiatry field. But we are we are primary. We have a very strong focal point in working with clients and populations and diagnosing them, diagnosing them on a human human micro meso macro level psychology faculty is going to want rebuttal time I think. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right right well the numbers are the numbers I right, mean the, right. the diagnosing is is there I mean those are the numbers but I think I think dr. DeForest pointed out what was helpful to me which is the notion of psychology and being a study of the individual within the individual and and your study is it's is also a social science but it focuses more broadly on um, both political and economic systems which create Correct. circumstance and mm -hmm. uh, and of course the result of that circumstance in many cases is human suffering mm -hmm. and uh, social workers play a role in helping to alleviate that suffering mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be sort of the direction that we're going well I'm always glad to have the the um, war wild web in the palm of my hand um, <laughs> NASW reports that there are currently more than 650,000 social workers, and the, the profession is expected to grow by 19% between 2012 and 2020. Um, and so it is one of the highest projected um, professions um, by the, the Bureau of Labor and Statistics as well. And so it is an emerging boom here in America because it crosses all boundaries. It is in, it's in policy, it's in practice, it's in government. 
Um, wherever you see people, you can find a social worker because it's not so much about the what you do, it's about the value in what you do, what you do professionally. But I want to add something, and this was what Dr. Herring said earlier. Um, you have to have a special calling to become a social worker. You need to have the passion for it. You need to be, have a pe be a people person because we also don't want individuals who are going to pursue a profession and harm individuals over again or re-traumatize them. That's something we want to avoid. So we have to have a certain skill set, an ability to diagnose, an ability to work with people of color, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and not everyone is cut out for that. So that's a caveat. <laughs> yeah. no, I think there's... Um... I, I would yes, I certainly agree with that. From my minimal knowledge, that, that that's something that is a calling that that people are drawn to. Um, are they uh, based on your experiences of educating um, uh, people into this profession? Um, do do a lot of the people who show up in BSW and then MSW programs have they themselves had an experience with a social worker in the in their past? Is that common? Very common. It's, it's very common. I I would probably say uh, a higher percentage. Uh, the not have, have experienced uh, some type of interaction with the social worker at some point in their lives uh, and that was a, a trigger for them uh, to, to come into the profession itself. Um, the uh, social workers are um, what, what, what you're beginning to see in our profession uh, in terms of it really narrowing and defining itself as a profession um, there was some, some time ago, uh, if you had a degree in psychology, or if you had a degree in uh, divinity or some other degrees, uh, social work agencies would still hire you in as a social worker. As over the last 15, 20 years, I, I would say, uh, what you're seeing is based on the educational programs and how we've refined how we're educating social workers in these particular skill sets, uh, you're, you're seeing agencies now only employ those with these uh, specific skill sets, which I think is critical because for so long you had people who were acting as social workers but not having the skills. And we just talked about there's a way to, everyone wants to help, but there's a systemic way of helping. And I think what you're seeing happen now is that the field is really being, um, uh, refined in terms of who is able to function as a social worker. And I think that's critical, particularly for uh, educational programs. So as students come into our programs, one of the things that we are clear about is that you have to have these skills before you can go out and do do the work that you're that you're asking that you want to do, so that right there's a level of gatekeeping that is is really serious and intentional uh, in educational programs. And al and also the level of rigor. I mean, an MSW degree is just as hard to get as a law degree or vice any other kind of competitive uh, degrees out there. Um, so we want to also emphasize the fact that that an MSW is a specialized, marketable degree. But it, but but there's a challenge. You have to you have to work for it. You got to really take the time and write those. You know, write, do your research, do your reports, do your analysis. Because a lot of people assume social work. Well, that's an easy profession. No, it's not. I mean, it's it takes a lot of rigor to become a social worker, and it takes a lot of know-how and skill set. And just to clarify something earlier, uh, JD is the abbreviation for a law, a law degree, degree in in right. the United States. Right. Uh, it's Latin juris doctorate. Mm -hmm. um, so. 
Good. All right. Well, anyone want to have the final word on, on social work in the United States? Any questions we left unanswered? Uh, Before we get to a final word, I want to give all my love to people in psychology because it was my original <laughs> training ground. You know, my undergraduate degrees in psychology, and I, I would not be able to practice to the degree that I can with the understanding of theories without that foundation. So... For all those who love psychology, we love psychology and social work. And 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 I think it's it is worth mentioning as well that the uh, the um, interdisciplinary uh, collaboration that takes place all the time amongst social workers, sociologists, uh, uh, psychologists, political scientists. I mean, that's always the case. Is that we're we're working across disciplines to try to improve because again, it's all about helping. And, and I just want to say that uh, I really, really am happy to be in this kind of a venue dealing with an international audience who is interested in social work because anybody who's interested in social work is a good friend of mine. <laughs> good. Well, that seems like uh, just as good a point to end it on uh, at this point. So I want to thank uh, the three of you gentlemen, Dr. Freeman, thank Dr. You. Herring, Dr. Luciano, Dr. DeForest is here, of course, as always. And I want to thank the three of you for coming in to talk about social work in the United States. And uh, it may be possible to uh, to bring the three of you back again to do another um, a session on, on specifically on the MSW, depending upon uh, what our friends in, in China are interested in. So I, I want to thank you very much for coming. We thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. The Archways Podcast is a production of Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte, North Carolina, USA, in partnership with the Guangdong Bayun University in Guangzhou's People's Republic of China. Archways is made possible through generous funding from the United States Embassy in Beijing, China, and through the College of Arts and Letters at Johnson C. Smith University. Additional support has been provided by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. Subscribe to this podcast through iTunes. You can email us at jcsuartsletters at gmail.com.